Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. Bobblehead right there. That was awesome. I think you're like, you're like da, 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 grooving to the tunes. Yeah, I like it. Do it again. <laughs> to the intro. We need a Jamil bobblehead in there. Yeah. yeah no. I, I think uh, that's a good idea. Jamil bobbleheads. There, there you go. go. That way I can play with well, you during the show. <laughs> you can play with me during the show. <laughs> and so it begins. And so it begins. Ah, yeah. I missed you. I again. missed you too. <laughs> Seems like it's been uh, a day or two since I've last seen you. It has been. Yeah, Nashville's coming up. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Are you ready? You're always ready. I was born ready. You're born ready. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But <laughs> I've heard people say it, so uh, what the heck. Awesome. Yeah, the online entry that you made up. Wow, this is an amazing clarity here. Um, <laughs> the microphones have <laughs> changed. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, it's working out really well. It's really easy to use, so thank you for that. Oh, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, seems to be working well, and I think uh, I know I'm getting my entries in there, and I know you've been getting yours in there. Coming I s- up, I still have four more to bottle up, but you know, we'll see what happens in Cincinnati. Cincy, Cincy. Yeah, and there's the whole uh, conference there, mm-hmm. the uh, National Homebrewers Conference, and. Uh, yeah, you want to get if you go to one beer event, that's the one. It's the chosen one. I, absolutely, <laughs> I, I choose that one over GABF. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. And if you're an AHA member, you get a good discount on the uh, on the conference. It's like five bucks, isn't it, or something per entry? Oh yeah, per, per entry per you entry. save five five bucks. Right on the conference, you save like at least the cost of membership. Whoa! Okay. So you want to go to that? You get all the other member uh, benefits of membership. And you can also support the Brewing Network by going to the store. Yeah. You sign up uh, for your AHA membership at the Brewing Network. Going to the store, uh, you know, helps uh, helps the Brewing Network, helps the AHA, and actually, believe it or not, I think it's a good thing for for brewers as well because it helps uh, legislative and uh, also, uh, you know, you get a great magazine. You get uh, discounts everywhere. I took the family to uh, BJ's the other night. Oh yeah, was that? Not for my daughter's birthday, she wanted to go to BJ's and awesome. stand down there. <laughs> my kids, she you know. wanted to go to BJ's, and uh, yeah, and wow. I, I, you get an automatic ten percent discount on food at BJ's, and it's not just for me; it's for like my entire party, Whoa, so, the whole family. Yeah, nice. you know, save a ton of money there on that. How old is your daughter now? 
Just turned 14. Oh, I can't start dating her then. No. Okay. <laughs> have to wait till 15. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, so, uh, you know, uh, get yourself an AHA membership. And you know who will uh, else will be there? Our sponsor, Northern Brewer, Brewer, of course, will be there. Yeah. You know, if you if you never met the Northern Brewer guys, if you only know them through the website and and shopping uh, through mail order, mm-hmm. go down there, and uh, I bet you they'll be there. I mean, oh, they've yeah. been at uh, all the uh, recent conferences, uh, as I recall. Oh yeah, real nice guys. You know, get a chance to meet them, talk to them. Uh, Great brewers. See I mean, what. Uh, yeah, really, really good brewers. guys, and uh, big supporters of our show. So yeah, uh, really love that. And more news. Okay. The oh. Brewing Network Anniversary Party, Saturday, June 14th. It's down, official? Downtown Joe's in Napa. Downtown. That's a good place for and it. it. It's a great place for it. Colin is wonderful, you know, very supportive of home brewing, home brewers. All sorts of special beer things are going on. It's going to be, I don't know if I can talk about that stuff, yeah. but that's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be there. Uh, Justin's gonna be. You can be there. Oh John? yeah, I'll be there. All right. Sure. You know, I'm gonna get there. I think Friday or Thursday. You know, yeah, <laughs> camp out. Yeah, I'm gonna be prepped. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. that excited. Awesome. I'm gonna be there a couple of days in advance. Three years. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's gonna be great. And we got. It's like a party from four or five o'clock in the afternoon till four or five in the morning. Closing time. Yeah. And then who knows what? Sure. There's like all sorts of things going on. So if you got a chance, you come out. You can bring the family to this one because you know you got Napa. Oh yeah. There and you, go. you know, if, even if they're not interested in beer or brewing network, you, know, you can send them off. They wander around. Napa's Napa's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, then you go and hit the uh, the beer thing. That's what I'm going to do. I think I'm bring the family. Yeah. <laughs> They'll go off and do whatever. And I'll say, well, I'll see you. I'm yeah. going to be gone for the next twelve hours. Yeah. And I'll, have fun I'll shopping tonight. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to be wonderful. Well, I'm really curious what uh, Justin's going to come with, come up with, like games or surprises or little games, tricks and stuff. Bands, you know, special beer, uh, you know, uh, incentives from you know uh, that that you wouldn't find normally and. I'll tell you this: the Downtown Joe's beers. Colin has, has been working a couple of years there now as the uh, head brewer, and has really brought those beers to a point where those are some fine, fine beers for sure. Excellent. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would go in there and then spend an evening uh, drinking myself silly. Yeah, <laughs> food's really good. <laughs> beers are good. Service is excellent. It's a great mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you if you get an opportunity, definitely you want to check out that and and uh, you know to support. Events like this and all this, the Brewing Network, if you really love the Brewing Network, donations. Donations. You got Sorry it. to be hitting you with all this stuff here, but, you know, for as little as two bucks a month, yeah, you can donate to the, the Brewing Network. And again, it's a donation. Wow. You want to help keep uh, programming like this going, you go to the site, uh, sign up. It, it happens automatically. You sign up once and it takes care of you. You can stop it at any time, but uh, there's different levels you can do. Two yeah. bucks, ten bucks. When you think about bucks, it, whatever. I mean, two bucks a month—that's really cheap entertainment. It's cheaper than uh, most magazine sus- subscriptions. Yeah, or strip and, clubs. Uh, you and, know, you strip know. Club. Yeah, yeah. I got a strip club. It's uh, twenty-four bucks, bucks gone in like an hour. I know. You know. So. And then you know, you give me thirty minutes, and I'm ready for another twenty-four bucks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was funny. Forgot my ones. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, Ah, there's so much, so much, you know. It's vibrant. I feel the energy. The month right happens, now. and there's so much to talk about. I forget about things. But one thing I want to say: a lot of people want to send in uh, beers for, you know, for tasting, tasting sure. and and opinions and stuff. I think I get people sending me stuff, and that's okay. I don't mind. Yeah, I, that, that's fine. Especially to your this, house. This guy, this this uh, guy, uh, yeah, to my to my house. This guy, uh, David. Uh, 
Screxo. Screxco. Screxco? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really bad in names. Used to pull my brain cells on Zena Chef. Uh, this guy, David, real nice guy, mm-hmm. was out in Wisconsin. He's like, hey, you know, I got like best of show and a couple of first places. Wanted your opinion on these beers. I'm like, yeah, send those bad boys yeah, over. Like, no know. problem. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's not like, you know, this beer tastes like the toilet. I want to send it to you. No, he's, he's sending me these like, uh, you know, winning beers. And what does he do? He includes a bottle of this uh, New Glarus Belgian Red wow. that we're enjoying right now. Thank you very much, David. Yeah. And then uh, he threw in a couple of, like, uh, Grolsch uh, bottle cozies. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now, That's let, this cool. be, let's, uh, let this be a lesson for everybody else. If you want to send... <laughs> Beer for tasting. Throw in a couple of the other, you know, a couple of little little gifts in there. It doesn't hurt, you know. Hard a little, to get. yeah, a little, uh, you know, new Glarus, a couple of, you know, tchotchkes, you know, a couple, a couple little things in there. And now we're talking, you know. Yeah. That's Life's that's good, the kind of package to send out there. Yeah, yeah. you know, those are, those are the priority packages right there. God, if we could just quadruple this, we'd be set. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind the other ones, but you know, I was I was very impressed that uh, he would go to the trouble of including in, uh, you know, kill a little extra stuff for us, and sure. I, I thought that was really really nice of him. A uh, good guy there. And now we're drinking it on the show, and it's yeah, yeah. it's delicious. I I told him I told him we'd be drinking it because he was like, hey, you know, I hope you enjoy that. And I'm like, well, you know, I was gonna save it, drinking. I thought, well, you know, I rarely bring beer to the show, so this was this was one that. Uh, was deserving of being brought. Here's a cheers to uh, David. Like that. <laughs> These microphones are really, this is, really, this is <laughs> really humming it's now. Humming. Oh God. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we're talking about Dunkelweizen. Dunkelweizen. Weitz or Weizen? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, have a, you ever have you ever had a good uh, Dunkelweizen? I never had a commercial one. I've had a homebrew. Yeah? Yeah. It was, it was interesting. <laughs> I think, like, this type of beer, you really have to nail it to do it right, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, just because there's so much going on. You know, uh, that's one thing. Uh, you know, Hefeweizen, a lot of brewers will jump right in, and this is one of the, you know, the very first beers that they'll brew. They'll brew, like, Pale Ale, Hefeweizen, a Stout. You know, all the beers that they they were first introduced to or that they really like. Sure. And uh, Hefe is, is very, very common that way. And so, you know, the, the very new brewers will tend to jump into these. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, something like this, it's not that easy to really get 100% right. Especially balanced. Uh, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's easy to, you know, make one that tastes kind of like that. But, you know, it's the it's a very subtle balance between a lot of the flavors and aromas. Mm-hmm. And to get that is, is kind of tricky. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but fermentation. Oh, yeah. It's so key with this. Yeah, yeast. this one especially. I can't wait to pick your brain later, too. So, Well, you got a uh, description for us on this style? I do. You got 15 minutes? <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. I got plenty of time. I got beer in front <laughs> of me. Yeah. I got you a take, whole ticket time. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Let's see. In a Dunkelweizen, in the aroma, you should get strong phenols and cloves, uh, fruity esters like bananas. Uh, balance is very key with this beer, for, for sure. May have small hints of bubble gum or vanilla coming through too, but it's not shouldn't be apparent. But it's just subtle and uh, very minimal hop aroma. 
moderate grainy or bready notes from the wheat malt, and it's usually complemented with a rich malt aroma from Vienna or Munich malts. They usually range like 50% wheat or 50% Munich malt. Uh, visually, it's copper to brown color, long-lasting head retention, tan usually. Uh, it's light, heavy haze due to high proteins and yeast suspended. And usually if you serve this beer, you might rouse the yeast. I don't know if that's true for all beers, but I tend to not like to drink all my yeast, but I guess it's good for you. Um, in the flavor, you get a medium banana clove flavor, uh, bready grainy flavor from wheat, which uh, and some rich caramel melanoidin flavors from the Munich malt or Vienna malt. And it's very minimal noble hop flavor. Uh, overall, it's a soft, creamy, dark wheat ale balanced with dark fruit and malty richness. And that's a Dunkelweizen. And I'm sure you have more to add. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah uh, well, and again, I think the thing to be aware of here is that it's a real balancing act. So you want... Uh, a, a malty bready. You want those melanoidin-rich flavors coming through, but you don't want them to overwhelm the uh, you know the banana and the clove, right? And so you want the banana and the clove. You don't want those out of you know just overwhelming either. You want those you know moderate levels. You want those balanced with each other. Then you want the the maltiness, you know, kind of as background, but you know, uh, you know, rich uh, melanoidin character, and then uh, you know the other balancing flavors and esters in there as well. The thing is, most examples that you'll get that aren't great examples, they'll have you know they'll be really high in banana, or they'll be you know excessively full of bubble gum. Or, you know, they'll be really malty and not any of those esters. Or they'll have uh, phenols, so they'll be, uh, you know, one way or the other. They're always, you know, there's always something off. And it it, it ends up being, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a very tricky thing. And it should also be fresh. This is a beer that should be served fresh. It's not one that really lasts very long Okay. Uh, as well. It's not like a Weizenbach that can age Right, and, you know, and the whole thing about Weizenbach is, you know, once it ages, it, you know, it starts taking on some, uh, you know, uh, raisiny, plummy kind of uh, notes and some oxidative notes. And that's actually, you know, like part of the characteristic, I think. Whereas, you know, you don't really want those to happen in here. Hmm. So there is there is quite a bit of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, balancing act there. The other, the other thing is, you know, people really, uh, especially a lot of judges, it seems to me, when uh, when they judge this category, they seem to be looking for a beer bigger than uh, Hefeweizen. So why is that? Um, is it dark? I think because it's darker. I think that they, like you know, it's, it's that whole thing about stouts being like, you know, these huge rich beers. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, a darker beer, they think, oh, you know, it should be richer, bigger, stronger, which isn't necessarily true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're looking for caramel notes or looking for, you know, some sweetness, things like that. So that isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a good example of the style, but it tends to, if you're looking, this is one of those... 
you know, people ask, oh, you know, for stylists, do you go a little bigger? Do you, you know, what's the secret to winning a category? Sure. And uh, generally I say, no, 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 just brew something to style, brew it well, and you'll win. This is one of those categories where I think if you brew a flawless example, I'm not sure you'll always win. It, you know, I think it's not that well known. A lot of times, a lot of people don't have that much experience with it, and sometimes pushing it a little bigger, uh, a little sweeter, you know, it will will help. Well, the guidelines talk about like the peaks out around like five and a half percent. Is that what you're talking about? Like, is that the sweet spot, or would you go six percent? Well, you could go six. You, you know, you, you don't want a whole lot of alcohol character in there. But, um, you know, you go a little bigger in the starting gravity, I think you finish a little sweeter. Is that desirable? Yeah, you know, so you keep, the, you keep the alcohol about the same, but you're going to, you know, you bump it up a few points and, and finish a little sweeter. And then, you know, because, again, you know, darker, richer, sweeter is what they're looking for. Okay. Now is this beer supposed? Is it a session beer? Should you be able to drink a lot of it, like a normal? Oh sure, vice? Just, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty much the same as as far as that goes. It's just dark and brown, then. Yeah, okay. It's got the multi character to it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back, why don't we talk about uh, the recipe for this thing? How you how you dial one of these things in? Hey, eh? let's do it. All right, we'll be back right after this. It's the hop shortage. No, not the organic, free-range, oyster Russian imperial coffee stout. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage. Damn it to hell. Oi, away off your wee hop shortage. Who are you? A f***ing Scottish 80 shilling and you cannot brew a Scottish 80 shilling like you was mixing f***ing cement with f***ing hops instead of gravel, your great f***ing ass. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint, like the bloodthirsty and abusive Scottish 80 shilling. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. My Lambic! It'll only f***ing help it. What have you gotten out of a vial of White Lab's yeast? WLP-001. Cal Ale, baby! 23, Burton Ale. 008, East Coast Ale. Cal Common, WLP-810. It's gonna be WLP-400 with beer. I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew your own clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? 
for less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Back, we're talking Dunkelweizen. Yes, we are. <laughs> now you got the bobblehead going. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Glory days. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, <laughs> so hard love, to do I, this show. I, I, I'm laughing all the I time. I love making you laugh. It <laughs> brings me great joy. You know, I uh, see this, this show adds adds years to my life. I'm sure of it. <laughs> All right, so uh, for, for for this beer, for Dunkelweizen, uh, starting gravity, 1056, 13.8 Play-Doh. And now, compare this to uh, you know what I would do for a uh, Hefeweizen, which would be like a 1050 beer, 1056. Again, a little bit bigger. Uh, you're finishing gravity around 1014, you know, on the Hefeweizen around 1012. Although, in reality, you know, they could be the same starting gravity, could be the same finishing gravity. And we're just kind of a little, you know, throwing a little something-something to uh, something, the something. people who expect it to be a little bigger and all that. <laughs> uh, IBUs, about 16 IBUs using the Rager formula. Color is going to be 16 SRM using Mori. Uh, alcohol, 5.6% ABV. And for a 6-gallon batch, we are going to use, uh, if you're an extract brewer, you're going to use uh, a liquid uh, malt extract of wheat. 6.8 pounds, or 3.08 kilograms. And then a Munich liquid malt extract, 2.2 pounds, or 1 kilogram. And, you know, for the Munich extract, I'm talking about 100% Munich malt extract. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Vireman makes makes a nice one, 100% Munich malt extract. If you can't get 100% Munich malt, that's fine. Get one that tastes a lot like Munich. You can always adjust the amount of uh, wheat extract and, you know, whatever the percentage is on your Munich. Usually they're 60-40 or 50-50. If you're an all-grain brewer, instead of those extracts, you're going to use two pounds of a continental Pilsner malt, or 0.9 kilograms, and 6.9 pounds or 3.13 kilograms of wheat malt. The uh, Munich extract gets replaced with uh, three pounds of a Munich malt mashed at 152 degrees Fahrenheit or 67 degrees C. Uh, if you're all grain, you're going to want to boil that 90 minutes. Drive off the DMS. you got quite a bit of Pilsner malt in there. Your other grains that you're going to use, Special B at 120 level bond is uh, six ounces or 170 grams. Use the same amount of uh, Crystal 40 uh, malt. 
and Carafa Special. Mm. Special two, I like to use. Two. Uh, yes, at 430 level bond approximately. Two ounces, 57 grams. This is just to color it up a little bit. You want, you don't want to use much more than that. And again, you want to use the Carafa Special. That's the huskless variety or some other, you know, debittered uh, uh, dark malt. And that's just to color it up. You can use uh, the Cinnamar uh, extract. Uh, I know, John, you were messing around with that. Yeah, I just started to love it. And uh, use that to color it up if you want as well. Which I bought from Northern Brewer. Oh, there you go, mm-hmm. from our sponsors. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool stuff. As far as uh, hopping, you're going to use uh, Halitower, or Halitau, uh pellets, uh, 4% alpha acid. You're going to make one 60-minute addition, one ounce or 28 grams. Again, it's going to give you about, again, 16 IBUs using the uh, Rager formula. This is just enough to balance the sweetness. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Shouldn't be any hop character in there. Hop character in these beers really just fights with the uh, phenols and the esters and all that. And uh, it's really just, you know, a mistake to, to make these things hoppy. So yeah. go with, you know, a nice 60-minute uh, addition and nothing more. Don't do any late hopping on these, I think. Uh, <clears throat> as far as yeast goes, I like the uh, White Labs WLP 300 Hefeweizen Ale. Yeast, or the equivalent uh, Y yeast uh, thirty sixty eight uh, by Heinz Stefan uh, Weizen yeast. Nice. Those are both good, good options. You are going to uh, ferment those uh, uh, around sixty two degrees Fahrenheit, seventeen degrees C. And when that's finished, you'll carbonate that to about two and a half to three volumes. It's pretty well carbonated. Should be yeah, fluffy and yeah. These are these tend to be uh, fairly well carbonated, and it's that carbonation that'll drive up a nice big fluffy head right. on the beer, and it'll add like that brown malt character that you're kind of velvety along the palate. Yeah, yeah, well, or round, I should say. Yeah, if the uh, I think part of what happens is <clears throat> on these beers they're higher carbonated, but you know, there tends to be a lot of particulate matter in the beer, like yeast cells and other stuff in there. And I think that helps drive off a lot of the CO2. Hmm. This is just all supposition on my part. And helps drive, form that big head. Hmm. And also reduces the, the carbonation in the beer as you drink it. Right. And so um, it's not... It, I think if it was really spritzy, it would be much harder to drink. Okay. I think, uh, you know, body is built by... Uh, just enough carbonation. You go too much carbonation, uh, and the beer seems to all of a sudden lack body. This is very important in especially lighter beers like a Scottish 60 or an English Mild or Ordinary Bitter or something like that. Sure. You're trying to build body in one of those beers. The tendency is to want to you know, carbonate it you know, quite a bit. And what happens is when you first start out, if there's no carbonation, it seems watery and thin. Mm-hmm. You add a little bit of carbonation to one of those types of beers, and all of a sudden the body seems to fill out. If you go past that point, all of a sudden the carbonation comes out really quick, and it, it forms these giant bubbles, and it seems kind of harsh. Right. And, you know, the body seems to be gone. Hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a kind of a magic point there in the middle hmm. where uh, you really don't want to go past. Well, it definitely balances out the overall malt impression of the beer. I mean... 
Sure. Because of the acidity from right, the, the carbonic acid mm-hmm. and kind of that prickly feeling, it tends to uh, also cut some sweetness and, as well. Do you think that high volume with this beer style is important because of the high residual finishing gravity? Yeah, it's not that high a fourteen a fishing ground, fourteen. Okay, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, you know higher carbonation is important in these styles. Okay, definitely. Hmm. You had mentioned that you used special bee in this. Mm-hmm. Do you think it contributes at all to the fruit character of this beer, and complementary with the yeast strain? Yeah, a really interesting thing. Uh, in this amount, I don't think it really does. So it's just six, a color. six ounces. It's that and a little bit of caramel sweetness. Okay. Uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, kind of some of those kind of figgy flavors, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, Tom Arthur at Pizza Port who was, uh, in Lost Abbey now, who he had said at a certain, I, I remember something about him saying, you know, uh, less than a certain percentage of special B. You know, it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it's a different flavor when you're just using a hint of special B or when you go past a certain point. And a lot of people are saying, no, 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 you don't want to use more than like a pound of special B. And, you know, he was saying, uh, I can't remember what it is now, but he was saying something like, you know, a certain percentage that was pretty high. Right. And he's like, you know, at that point, it becomes kind of this rich, figgy kind of flavor. And... Below that, it's not. It's it's more caramelly, toasty, <laughs> and you know. And there's like a middle ground where it just tastes nasty. Okay. And uh, I've I've done that. I've I've I, I may even have a recipe in the book that has that, that yeah. amount of it. And uh, it's true. You get past a certain point, and it's like it changes. Yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> and uh, in this case, we don't do that. But uh, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that. <laughs> no, it's interesting. You you had also mentioned that you fermented at sixty two Fahrenheit. Uh huh. And this is something that I've picked up in the last year with most vice beers. But why is that? What's the importance of this? Because Harold told me to. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I I fermented my Weizenbach, my first one four months ago mm-hmm. at sixty two. Mm-hmm. And now I understand why, because it's been lagering for four months, because it's just nice and Round esters. Well, you know. and, and and you know, here's the thing: when when I first started out brewing and trying to brew these styles, the internet wisdom was: all right, the warmer you go, the more banana you have; the colder you go, the more clove you get. <laughs> and you know, everybody said, "Oh, it's absolutely true." And uh, so, you know, you would ferment this around 67 or 68, and uh, you know, I would get uh, comments back from judges saying, you know, needs more banana, needs more clove, needs more this, needs more that. So I tried everything, you know, from, you know, 66, 67 up to like 74. <laughs> and, wow. and you know, it just, it never worked out. It was horrible. It was horrible. And then Harold told me, he's like, hey, you know, for a minute at 62, I'm thinking, well, I just used to even work at 62. I don't know. But, you know, I trust Harold. You know, he's very, very honest, very straightforward guy. <laughs> and uh, so I tried it, and sure enough, and everybody who's, who poo-poos this idea of 62 uh, Fahrenheit or uh, 17 degrees C, uh, they they like, well, no, that's, it's going to be all clove, and there's not going to be any banana. And I, you, you just try it, yeah. and sure enough, there's plenty of banana. It's there. And balance was just the right amount of clove. <laughs> but the whole thing is, instead of being really harsh, hot, you know, one kind of uh, ester type of thing, 
you get a nice balance that's moderate overall mm-hmm. of the two. <laughs> and it really makes a huge difference. It totally works. Yeah, yeah, wow. it, it absolutely works. I So I can't take any credit for actually having figured this out. <laughs> out. Thank somebody, you, Harold. Somebody told me <laughs> and said, you know, this is the way to do it. Huh. And sure enough, they were right. And it worked. Yep. So uh, that's that's how I do, do all of these. <laughs> what about uh, higher temps? Well, I mean, what does it do for this yeast strain? I mean, let's say someone doesn't have temp control and they're going to ferment a Dunkelweizen at 72. I mean, yeah. what should that home brewer expect as far as flavors? You know, it's it's still going to seem like a, a Dunkelweizen. Okay. And like I was saying, you know, if you're just starting out brewing and, you know, that's that's the kind of, you know, you'll get that. And it'll be, you know, really banana or more common is a real bubblegum character. Right. And... Uh, the style guide notes that, you know, a bit of bubble gum or a bit of vanilla, kind of you know, a subtle background note is, is fine. But generally what you'll get in those hotter ferments is a big bubble gum. It'll, right. it'll be like, you know, uh, you know, Bazooka Joe beer. Whoa. And it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> and it's not that pleasant. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let's see what else. Bubble gum. What about the amount of yeast that you pitch? Right. I mean, right. if you pitch too much yeast and you pitch warm, well, 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 not pitching warm, but if you're fermenting it warm, will you get less esters and not those banana notes? Well, here's here's the thing. Um, you know, it is such a balancing act between the amount of yeast pitched, the health of the yeast, word composition, word starting gravity, oxygen levels. Uh, fermentation temperature, uh, fermenter geometry, uh, you know, all these little different things, you know, and, uh, of course, most importantly, yeast strain that really determine a lot of these these factors. So, uh, generally, if the yeast are growing, they're not producing esters. Okay. But... You know, if you have too much growth and uh, the cells become really trashed, you know, you tend to get more esters at the end. Um, so there's, you know, there's a variety of, of factors at play. And if you're, if if you're not, the, the, the thing to do is just start with, I would say start with, you know, the Mr. Multi-Pitching great guy sure. hitter amounts. Right. Start with, you know, 62 degrees Fahrenheit or 17 degrees C. <laughs> uh, you know, use a glass carboy or a bucket, you know, something standard. You know, all these things, just keep them standard. And, you know, time the amount of oxygen you're adding. And then see how it turns out. And if that doesn't work, then adjust one item. Don't willy-nilly change everything. You know, either change the amount of yeast you pitch hmm. or change, you know, uh, the amount of oxygen or yeast strain. Just one thing. And eventually you'll dial it in. For what I do, these numbers that I'm giving, they work. And the results are very good. For all styles? Uh, well, f- you know, f- yeah, for each one for I give, uh, okay. that I give. Now, um, both uh, Chris White and uh, Dave uh, Logsdon, uh, they both say, well, you know, on the heavy yeasts, uh, you know, the thing to do or, you know, or some people do is to pitch slightly yet less yeast to help produce, you know, these, these uh, you know, 
typical banana clove uh, character. Hmm. I, you know, I'm I'm just never a fan of pitching less yeast. You know, I don't I don't want to pitch too much, but you know, I think there's a an amount that I can pitch for all all beers. You know, based on a rule, mm-hmm. stick with, it, and then I can adjust other factors. And for me, again. You know, that the standard amount of yeast that's, you know, 62 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees C temperature, everything works out correctly. Well, what are you concerned about if you underpitch a little bit? I mean, especially if you're going to ferment a Dunkelweitz at 62 Fahrenheit. I mean, if I'm a home brewer, I'm going to pitch one vial of yeast. Right. And that's probably not enough, according mm-hmm. to your calculator, right? Right. So you'd probably recommend two vials, maybe right. three. Or a starter. Or a starter. Right. But if I just went with one, I'd probably still make a pretty good Dunkelweitz in. But I might not get those same flavors if right, I properly right. pitched. Yeah, you, you might get more bubblegum character. You might get, you know, whatever. Uh, okay. And and the other thing is, and he, he, here's the thing about, uh, you know, any products you get. The liquid yeasts are, are very, very good. I mean, you know, uh, the the purity of the cultures are fantastic. The selection of the, the strains are fantastic. They, you know, they bank these these yeasts when, you know, they've got them all dialed in exactly how they should perform. And, you know, they're constantly pulling, you know, fresh from the bank and getting these, you know. So you're getting great yeast. The thing is, if it's sitting at, at your homebrew shop for a while, the viability is dropping over time. Sure. So it's not the same amount of viable cells when, you know, your shop's had it for just a few weeks or they've had it for a few months. Sure. It, it's going to be different. And it's really not the, it's not the fault of the homebrew shops at all because, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Order a new shipment every day? <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. Not gonna happen. You know, yeah. if you want to pay $1,000 per package of yeast, <laughs> fine. I'm sure they'll do that for you, but... $20 you know, labor fee. Yeah, that, you know, it, it's just unreasonable. <laughs> so... The, the way around this is to make a starter, you know, get your yeast up to, uh, you know, a consistent level that you're you're certain of. So you're always pitching the same amount of yeast. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, one time you make this beer and, and the yeast is a week old, and the next time you make this beer and the yeast is, uh, you're, you know, a couple weeks old, and you, you make the beer next time and it's a couple months old, chances are it's going to turn out to, to be different. It may not be different enough that it really matters to you. <laughs> And it's still going to make good beer. Uh, hard to go wrong with those products. But ideally, what you want to do is start from a consistent level every time. Sure. And so that's part of making starters and part of that whole thing. Could a home brewer just stick to just taking the values and making the starter, keeping it simple, mm-hmm. and apply that to all beers? And then yeah. as they start to develop their recipes and their styles and mm-hmm. they dial in the process, mm-hmm. then maybe branch out a little bit more and... Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I need more yeast with this beer or less yeast or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, experience is, is a big part of it. You know, the more uh, the more times you brew a, a given beer or any beer, mm-hmm. you know, the more you start to learn about the processes. And, and uh, you know, people say, well, you know, I, I read, you know, all the stuff on the Internet. I know everything. It's like, I don't know, until you do it. You got to apply it, yeah. It's like you could read about sex all you want, but <laughs> but until you get down and dirty and 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 actually do it yourself, yeah, and it's completely different. Yeah, you know, all the all the fine nuances, yeah, of uh, sweet spots, you know, of intercourse are completely lost in, in the in the telling on paper. 
It's just like yeast having sex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to go home tonight to my girlfriend and be like, you know, honey, <laughs> we got to work on the nuance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired awesome. of reading about it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you can read about it on the internet, but until you really, uh, you know, uh, the more you do it, the more you start to notice subtle things. Sure. Yeah. And what works. And what works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what gets, when, what hits, yeah. and, and what's pleasurable and what's not. Right. And so uh, it's very, very similar. So, you know, the more you do it, the more uh, you'll get these, uh, uh, you know, hints of, you know, when you're under pitching, when you're over pitching. And, and not in the classic sense. Sure. But just in the character of your beer is changing. This, you know, commercial brewers, they realize this because they're brewing, you know, a lot of the same beers, you know, every few days or, you know, uh, you know, in some cases every day. And, you know, they, they'll notice if something's a little off. Right. You know, they, they know what their beer tastes like. And then, uh, you know, they've done so many times. It's like, well, wait, 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 you know, something's wrong with our yeast. You know, they, they start to, to notice these, these changes in, in the beer and they can tell just from, from the process. Yeah. That's amazing. Quite a craft there. Yeah. And there's no reason an amateur brewer can't do the same thing. Sure. Yeah. You know, you, you brew that beer and, and some people they'll do that. It's like, I'm going to perfect this beer. I'm going to brew it, you know, until it's flawless. And they keep brewing it, brewing it, brewing it. And then they start to, to realize what these, these other, you know, it's like dials on a big control panel. You know, yeast amount, yeast strain, yeast temperature, yeast, uh, uh, you know, health, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fermentation temperature, oxygen yeah, levels, yeah. fermenter geometry, you know, yeah. the starting gravity. That's uh, a lot of variables. You know, all these little things. Yeah. yeah. And you start, you know, you can adjust each one of these and sure enough, it changes the beer. Hmm. And the, the interesting thing is the majority of those factors are in the brewer's control. Because anybody can make wort, right? Yeah, right. So a lot of these factors, all you know, uh, you know, some people they think it's equipment or it's uh, the amount of stainless you know, they have. Yeah, the amount of stainless, <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, that could be one factor, let's say. But the real, you know, things that that uh, you know, the the volume of the the majority of uh, factors or parameters that affect the beer are all brewer-based. What you do, sure. that's what affects the beer. That's why... Know your yeast. You can't. You, you take two brewers, you put them on the same equipment, same recipe, same everything, and the beer turns out different. It's like, why? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, because the majority of factors are based on the brewer. Sure. So, you know, if you can't afford, uh, you know, a really fancy brewing system, you can still make great beer. Why? Because, yeah. again, you're in control. It's, right. it's what you do. So, uh, you know, the more you play with it, the more you practice, the, the more it turns out. Nice. All right. We'll take a short break, and uh, we'll come back, and we'll talk about, uh, and we'll answer some questions. We'll talk a little bit more about Dunkle Bites, and hey. Let's do it. All right. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> oh, crap. It's the hop shortage. He's in the basement. Oh, please. My triple decocted imperial pilsner. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage. Damn it to hell. <laughs> Was los? Hop Who are you guys? Ich bin Doppelbock. Ich bin Kölsch. Und ich bin Münchener Helles. We don't need a lot of hops to be delectable. Now brew something. Marzi. 
Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint, like the Cool Blonde Kolsch or the ponderously bottom-heavy Doppelbach. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. Mm-hmm. Now get brewing! Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from John. Park. Valley Brewing Company is Stockton's premier microbrewery and family restaurant in the heart of Stockton, California, just off the Miracle Mile. Brewmaster Steve Altamari crafts a full array of award-winning ales and specialty beers, from their Hitman Gold American Pale Ale to their Black Cat Stout, or any one of their monthly specialty brews, like Valley's Uber Hoppy Imperial IPA. And the best part is, you can now purchase kegs of Valley Brew to take with you from their all-new 30-barrel brewery, now open in Stockton. So pick up a keg and get a taste of one of California's oldest brewing traditions. To find out more about Valley Brewing's historic past, their selection of beers, or family-friendly restaurant, visit them online at valleybrew.com. Or stop by and sample the beer at 157 West Adams Street in Stockton, California, where pitchers are just $5 all day on Sundays. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's so easy. Just throw it together. Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Beer. Now, back to the Jameel Show. So good. So good. Yeah. I got you. I feel nice. I feel nice. Super nice. Sugar and spice. Okay. All right. Must be this nucleus or something. Totally yeah. lost. Where where were we? Talking, uh, process talking dunkle bites and well, and, 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 and process and all that. And during the break, we were talking about you know there there are people who complain about oh I can't compete in competitions with you know 
these people because they've got, you know, 15, these 15. fancy systems that are like commercial breweries, and I don't have the money for that, so that's why I can't win. That's a load of horse crap. I agree. And I'll tell you why, especially uh, the Nationals. Every year, final round of the Nationals, somebody brewing extract beer places on the stovetop, yeah. fermenting in plastic buckets, places, <laughs> every year. And you're telling me about uh, Jesse down at uh, Morgan. Yeah, he got a first his Calcone first round. He's his fourth beer. Yeah. He buys himself a uh, more beer Calcommon kit. Pitched a vial of yeast. Pitched a vial of yeast in it. First place, the second round of the Nationals. There first round. Or first round. There you go. All right. But whatever. So, yeah, but, you, you know, uh, very easy to win in competition with uh, the most basic of equipment and process and using extract. The extracts nowadays are, are awesome. Oh, yeah. That's a, those are fine products. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the difference is, you know, the brewer and the choices you make as a brewer, fermentation temperature, using healthy yeast, you know, uh, all these storage. Controls. I mean, storage, yeah. you know, paying attention to sanitation. Oh, that's key. Which, you know, the, it's like right people up there. still, you know, oh, no, my sanitation's fine. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pay attention to sanitation and uh, you know, all these little things. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what makes the beer. And that's really what you can control to make great beer. <laughs> and if you if you don't control those things, if you're really not paying attention to it, or you don't have that attention to detail, you know, it's not going to turn out very good beer. You can have a million dollars worth of equipment. It's you know, there's commercial breweries out there that not a lot of them, but there's some that turn out some really crap beer. Oh yeah, and yeah. you know, it's people don't really know what they're doing, and sure. they got all the equipment, but it doesn't turn out good beer. And uh, uh, you know, again, the brewer is key. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys that work at those breweries, you know, and turn out great beer. It's because they're good brewers, exactly. not because they're working in a commercial brewery. I think, like, even the fact that they love beer yeah. plays a whole role into that passion. Oh, they they got to love it. Pay attention to the uh, yeah. to the various aspects of it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, all right. Got some questions from the chat room? We do. We had a couple questions come through. A lot of people hanging out today. Um, one question was about the clarity for this beer style. Mm-hmm. Good question. Supposed to be crystal clear or not so much? Uh, you know, like like uh, the Hefeweizen, and this this would be uh, uh, you know cloudy with uh, yeast. Is it out of style if it's clear? Uh, not really. Okay, I think you know people really worry about this in competition. Sure. <laughs> They're like, oh, I want the bottle, you know, the yeast roused in the bottle, and you're judging. It's like, well, you know, it's clear. It's you know cloudy. If if it's got any sort of haze whatsoever it's like okay check that box there's your point for you know a cloudy beer you know flavor and all that is so much more important than whether it's how how uh, uh hazy the beer is or cloudy the beer is okay really you can always deal. just ship your beer upside down mm. yeah, that's how they ship the kegs you yeah know? They'll ship the kegs upside down they that's get turned point, over yeah. when they when they uh hook them up to serve them yeah i've seen crystal weizen's brewed before which mm-hmm. is just kind of, you know, they just call it, it's a, they brew the same beer and then filter it. Right. They yeah. filter out the yeast. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Interesting. Because the yeast can make you farty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the stench in the studio most of the time. Um, and then another question uh, was about alternate yeast strains, um, different uh-huh. hefeweizen and strains, and, you know, have you worked with them? What do you think? Yeah, I've tried. I've tried uh, the ones that are available from, uh, you know, White Labs and Y Yeast and... 
you know, I really, I was talking about this earlier uh, mm-hmm. with Jesse down at uh, More Beer, as a matter of fact. And he was asking me about uh, some of those. I don't really care for them. I really like the, uh, you know, the ones that we're using here, the... Uh, 300 the the wp 300 or the uh why 3068 those that's that's the one you know and uh i just don't like what the other ones do mm. I, and i've I tried them a bunch you know people were telling me oh no 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 you gotta try you know half a four or whatever mm. didn't care for it nice didn't do anything for me there's probably a reason why the germans are still using it you know oh yeah for yeah. all these years yeah this yeah. is the the main yeast mm. for this all right, a couple more questions that came through. Uh, someone asked, with this much wheat in the recipe, would a step mash or a decoction be better than doing a single infusion? Well, um, you can. And uh, you know, some people uh, believe it's uh, mandatory. Uh, my good friend Harold, uh, he says that... Uh, you know, probably, you know, the beer that benefits most from a decoction would be, uh, you know, the Hefeweizen or, you know, the Dunkelweizen. Hmm. You know, you do develop more melanoid flavors, and he really believes that that's a uh, key to getting that kind of bready uh, flavor in the uh, hmm. in these styles. Okay. And then a the last question I see here is um, that Hefeweizen's we know as, as a beer that's best fresh, as fresh as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this one? Is this something that should wait around or, or as fresh as possible also? Again, real fresh. And the interesting thing is um, if you go to store this yeast and repitch it into another beer later on, like I will do a you know, Hefe, I'll do a... A dunk of Weizen, I'll do a Rogan beer, and then I'll do uh, you know a Weizenbach, all you know off the the, the one yeast. Wow! And <clears throat> the thing is, you have to do them really quick, back to back, right? <laughs> because you know after you store this yeast, you store it for like a, a week. It's bad at the end of the week. It's just done. It smells. Uh, you know, yes. of of any yeast strains I've used. Uh, you know, uh, some of them you can store for quite a while, and and maybe other people have different results with this. But every time, if I try and wait more than a week, the yeast is in really bad shape. If I if I wait two weeks, forget it. I need to start over. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, the yeast really declines quickly. Viability drops. You know, down a hole after after a week or two. <laughs> And, you know, a month later, forget it. The whole thing's dead. I mean, maybe, you know, there's some cells alive, but you're just throwing a whole bunch of dead yeast <laughs> into your beer. So you really got to, you know, uh, reuse it really quick. And I think that's a big part of why the beers uh, need to be consumed fresh. I think right. they really, you know, drop off a cliff uh, about as fast as any beer out there. Well, this beer ferments out, what, in seven days, ten days? Yeah, and, and then... the, the wheat yeast tend to ferment pr- fairly fast, right. too. They're highly flocking. They go crazy. Yeah, they they, they go nuts. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of blow off. And and this is also a reason why it's very difficult to get a good uh, Hefeweizen here in the United States. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it ships that well. It's it's great when it's fresh and it's on draft and all that. And you know, you put it in a bottle and you ship it uh, halfway around the world, and it's sitting here, it's sitting there, it's going through customs. By the time you get it, it's like, eh, you know, it's all right. Right. I mean, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic beer when it's fresh and and uh, and ready to go. And then, you know, you wait a couple of months and it sits on a store shelf hot. Eh, you know, <laughs> not not nearly as as great as it could be. Do you think uh, Y yeast or White Labs are 
supplying healthier yeast in the vials or their smack packs to, you know, take into account that maybe the viability will drop if it's stored in a homebrew shop for four weeks, six weeks? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. They're, they're, uh, you know, viability can never be more than 100%, right? Sure. And in practice, it's generally never reaches 100%. Right. It comes really, really close. But, okay. You know, there's always some cells that... Just uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, what they, they go through a lot of shenanigans trying to ensure that they have like the highest glycogen reserve and things like that. So they'll, they'll get them at a, a very specific phase in their, in their growth and then they'll crash cool them hmm. to kind of, you know, shut them down so they don't burn out all the, the uh, reserves that they've taken in. They try and get them at maximum health, maximum, you know, uh, sterols, maximum uh, permeability of the uh, the cell membrane or the, uh, uh, so they're, they're uh, you know, really focused on giving you optimal yeast. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, well, it's going to take a couple of weeks until this person can use this yeast. And, you know, so we want it to be like, you know, yeast that they might propagate at that point. But. You know, after several months, uh, you know, the, it, it does tend to drop down a bit, and you need to make that starter. Okay. And, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. They're making awesome products, but, you know, it's just reality. It's a living creature that's in there. Sure. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to try and use them, use them quickly. Nothing uh, wrong with picking up an older vial and, you know, just making a starter with it. Yeah. Again, their, their uh, purity of these cultures is fantastic. So you don't have to worry that, you know, it's like a bunch of bacteria growing in there or anything. Yeah, it's still sterile and clean. Yeah, you so. get yourself a, a older vial and just uh, put, in a, put in a starter. I've, I've taken vials or smack packs that were out of date. Mm-hmm. You know, the homebrew shop was like, here, just take them. And you're like, thank you. <laughs> well, like, yeah, fine. <laughs> you know, because uh, you know, a lot of times those will start right up. Nice. Nothing, nothing really wrong with them. Just grow them up. <laughs> yeah. That's it from the chat. It's That's all it. yours. All right. Let me let me quickly recap here. Again, if you're an extract brewer, uh, wheat liquid malt extract, uh, 6.8 pounds or 3.08 kilograms. Uh, Munich liquid malt extract, 2.2 pounds or 1 kilogram. And if you're an all-grain brewer, uh, 2 pounds of or 0.9 kilogram Cottonelle Pilsner malt, 6.9 pounds, 3.13 kilograms of wheat malt, and uh, 3 pounds or uh, 1.36 kilograms of Munich malt mash at 152 degrees Fahrenheit, 67 degrees C. Specialty grains, you're going to use Special B at 120 love, uh, 6 ounces or 170 grams. Crystal malt at 40 love, 6 ounces or 170 grams. And Craft Special 2, uh, 430 love, uh, 2 ounces or 57 grams. Hops, Halitau pellets, 4% alpha acid at 60 minutes, 1 ounce or 28 grams. Your yeast can be White Labs WLP uh, 300 or Y yeast uh, 3068. Ferment around 62 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees C. And that should get you real close. Your original gravity would be uh, 1056, uh, 13.8 Plato. And uh, shoot for the high end. Yeah, this one, this one, we make it a little bigger just to, to make people happy. If you want to get better, closer to the commercial examples, just to dial down a little bit, get yourself around a 1050, okay. starting to grab a 1052, and you're, you're all set. Nice. All right. Good show, John. And uh, the next show up is going to be uh, Classic Rock Beer. All right. One of my favorites. Yeah. And uh, thank you, know. you, Northern Brewer, and donate and support AHA and... And listen go to the bre- show. Go to the Brew Network. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. <laughs>